Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Good morning, uh, church. Over the last few weeks, we have been uh, going through a series on the promises of God. I'm sure most of us still remember the various exciting messages that we have had over that period. You know, we have seen and have been reminded of how great and exciting the promises of God are. But as good and as wonderful as the promises are, what should get us even more excited are not the promises themselves, but him who promised. You know, most of us know that a promise is only as good as the person who makes it. How many times have people made promises to you or even yourself made promises to people and not followed through with them. But with God, we can be in no doubt because God is faithful. In the book of Psalms 117 verse 2, the Bible says, For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. And again in the book of Numbers chapter 23 verse 19, the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make good? Now, our message today is going to come from the book of Exodus, uh, where we have Moses leading the nation of Israel uh, into the land of Canaan that the Lord had promised to take them to. But up until this point, they had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Then God tells Moses, arise. It's now time for you to lead the people into the promised land. And we pick up this account from Exodus chapter 33 from verse 1. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I saw to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. You know, in verse 2, God makes two uh, statements to Moses. The first one, he says, I will send my angel before you. My angel will go ahead of you into the land of which I'm taking you into now. And the second point, God says that he will drive away the other nations that were inhabiting the land of Canaan. He says, I will drive away the Canaanite, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and basically God is saying to him, I will remove all obstacles that stand in your way from inheriting the promised land. And that's something that should excite each one of us. How many of us wouldn't be excited with that reassurance that God will take away all obstacles that stand in the way of your greatest dreams, aspirations, and breakthroughs? But in verse 3, there is an issue here that Moses finds. 
You know, God says, I will not go up with you in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. Even though they are now going into this promised land, God says, no, I will send my angel ahead of you, but my presence will not go in your midst. You know, after a period of God asking the people to humble themselves before him, Moses says the following statement to God, which we pick up from uh, verse 15. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not take us from here. This is what Moses says. Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not take us from here. Now, before we move beyond this point, I think it's important to put a little bit of background to this so we can realize how staggering this statement is from Moses. Firstly, God made this promise, you know, of one day bringing the children of Israel into the land of Canaan to Abraham. And this was no doubt passed from generation to generation to generation. That God one day will bring us to a land of promise, a land that is full of all the goodness that we will ever need. But as we know, sometimes life takes us through detours that we haven't planned for. Israel finds herself in slavery in the land of Egypt, where year after year they are toiling and suffering under the hand of Pharaoh. But no doubt, the promise is still relayed from parent to child. The Lord will one day take us into the promised land of Canaan. Then finally, God sets them free from Egypt. They go out now with hope that finally we are going to the promised land. But again, they find themselves in another detour, but this time of their own making. Because of their disobedience, they wander around the wilderness for 40 years. Bible scholars tell us that the journey from Egypt to Canaan should have taken them only three days, but they spent 40 years. And finally, we come to this point in Sinai where God tells Moses to arise and lead the people to the promised land. If you can put yourself in their shoes for a moment, you can imagine what they could have felt at that moment in time. They were probably overcome with emotion and relief that finally the promise that has been made to our forefathers is about to come true. Just the sense that I am the one who has lived to see the promise come to fruition. Israel is standing at the door of inheriting the promise. And then enter Moses. He says, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not take us from this place. Do not move us from this wilderness. So I can imagine if some of Israel were listening, or even if myself I was listening, I'll probably have said, Moses, hang on here. There's just too much at stake. The Lord has already made a way for us to go in to the land of promise. But Moses was not satisfied with an angel going ahead of them. He wanted the presence of God. 
inheriting the land without God's promise meant nothing to Moses. Yes, they will be materially sorted for life, never having to worry about any of life's needs for the rest of their lives. And yet, that was not good enough for Moses without the presence of God. And it's the same in our lives. We should hunger and desire the presence of God in all situations. You know, there is no substitute for the presence of God. Moses could have looked at this and say, at least we're going to inherit Canaan. But he would not settle for anything less than the presence of God. And that should be our attitude as well as believers. That whatever promises God has made to us, we still keep our eyes on him who promised rather than the promise itself. You know, as they were going into, in, into the land, God reminds Israel of their responsibilities. In the book of Deuteronomy verse, chapter 6, verse 10 to 12, God gives this statute to Moses and says, go and tell the people this. And I would read it out here. Verse 10 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land he saw to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God reminds Israel to keep their focus on him, not on what they will inherit. Do not forget the Lord your God. When that thing that you have been praying for, for a long time finally happens, do not forget the Lord. When that job or promotion that you have been waiting for for a long time finally arrives, do not forget the Lord your God. When your breakthrough finally comes, do not forget the Lord your God. You know, from the book of Job, there's an account of scripture that really encourages and at the same time challenges me. You know, Satan came into the presence of God and God says something interesting, interesting to him. We'll pick this up from Job chapter 1, verse 8 to 12. It says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So Satan is challenging God here and saying, well, Job is only saving you. Job is only worshipping you because of what you have blessed him, because of the promises that you have given him. But God was so confident of where Job's heart lay that he said to Satan, well, he is all yours. 
only spare his, his life. And we know the story. Satan went on to afflict Job with all kinds of sickness and disease. But Job stood still in his faith in God. What a heartwarming story. That's the testimony each one of us want to hear from God. That he is confident our hearts are in him, not in the material things that he gives us. Exodus chapter 33, verse 16. Then Moses, you know, he is still talking to the Lord here. He goes on to say, For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. And I like what the NIV, how it puts it. You know, it says, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses understood that it wasn't the land that they were going to inherit. It wasn't the houses. It wasn't the wealth that they were going to inherit that would distinguish them. But it was only the presence of of God. Our identity as believers should be drawn not from the blessings we get from God, but should be drawn from the presence of God. Dwell in and walk in the presence of God. It will distinguish you and set you apart. Because of his presence, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, the Bible says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but have obtained mercy. You can't get any higher distinction than this. Being in Christ and walking in Christ is what will distinguish you as a believer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what the presence of God will do to each one of us. It will distinguish us. We are a new creation. The world will know there is something different about you. And finally, I want to leave you with this, these famous words from King David in Psalms chapter 27 from verse 4. It says, One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Let that be your heart's desire today. Even in this season where church is not as we know it, continue to dwell in the presence of God, in prayer, in worship, and in the study of the word with your families. 
We hope you have been blessed and encouraged by this message uh, today. And we pray God's peace over you and your loved ones. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.